I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but I went to Bible school once. Actually, I went twice because they kicked me out partway through. Um, this was a few years back, so just relax. I was much younger. In uh, my second time in, though, um, God had started to really do some work in my life, and uh, I was becoming a different person. And in that process, uh, I got uh, I got one of those special privileges of um, being the toilet cleaner. Uh, most students only had to do that for one semester. I did it for three of my four. And uh, I think it was mostly because of the re uh, realization that the staff and leadership of the school had that it would be good for me spiritually. And so I uh, was a bathroom cleaner. Well, one of my semesters there, I tended to produce the expectation that you maybe couldn't trust me um, or all of my, uh, you know, when I sign off on my document that I'd done my job, you couldn't always trust that that was the case. And so in my last year, God had been doing so much work in my life that I had, um, I had skipped cleaning one, I think it was one weekend for this whole semester and I was convicted, so I went in and confessed that I'd, I'd, I'd lied this one day. And the uh, dean of men at the time, I, I still rem remember him quite well, he had walked with me through several episodes of uh, dishonesty. And so when I shared that with him, he just had a hard time believing that that was all I did that year. Um, and I remember the moment, the guy that was that was kind of responsible for that area. He's one of the, the task managers. They put people in charge of those different areas. And um, he was the guy that was checking on me all year to make sure that I was doing my work. And I remember the moment as the dean was struggling to accept my transparency at that moment as being true. And he, stepped, he spoke into that. And, and he said, I have walked with this young man on a daily basis. I've checked his work. And I'm here to tell you that this is true. And he stepped up and he, he stood up for me at that moment. And I remember thinking to myself, man, did it feel good to have somebody stand in place, to, to come and say, I, I'm here for you. I'm here to back you up on this. And um, it's interesting in our text this morning, I think we're going to see Jesus do that for a few people, and I'm excited to share that with you. Um, turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 2. Uh, we're going to pick up the story there where um, Jesus is out picking up disciples, and he's calling people to join him, and we're going we're gonna to see this happen. But um, I can only imagine that for these disciples, as the rabbi comes and calls them to join him, that some of them felt much like I did in that dean's office, desperately in need of, of some help and some support, and Jesus shows up. We have a unique story. We're, gonna, we're actually going to do something a little bit different. I, I normally don't try and read everybody's uh, account of the story, all the different um, uh, gospel accounts, but today's kind of a fun day that's a little bit unique. So we're going we're gonna to jump over to Matthew shortly and check out this account. But follow with me and Mark uh, first as we begin uh, in our text. Verse 13 this morning. 
He went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he reclined at uh, the table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners. Uh, this is one of those times uh, where if, if we turn to Matthew, you can start turning there now, Matthew chapter 9. We're going to see that Matthew and, and Levi, it looks like they're using the same name, uh, same individual. They're just using two different names. And we know that this happens in the text from time to time. You'll see Simon, uh, Peter, Cephas, that uh, just depending on the group and the language that they're using, the, the name appears a little bit different, but it's the same person that we're reading about in the text this morning. Uh, is when Jesus calls Matthew uh, to follow him. Um, and isn't it interesting, as, as we see this unfold, the, the big picture, the, the main emphasis that Jesus addresses here seems to be the need of those who are sick to be redeemed or to be rescued and to have a physician. So as we consider that this morning and as we walk through um, the text, I want to encourage you to not hold on to, I don't know if, if you guys feel this pressure or not, but not to hold on to the perception or the need to appear to have everything together. Uh, I, I loved Gary's sermon last week. He told you that maybe something great was going to happen today, but it's not. Um, I, 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 and his are the normal ears. Mine are the weird ones. I, I'm not sure if you guys caught all of that, but... Um, the reality is, is that God calls us and, and he, he, he celebrates the idea that he uses the weak and foolish things in this world. And so many times we come to church or we get involved in this process and, and we have this mindset that we have to appear like we're not sick. We have to appear like we've got our stuff together. We've got to appear that somehow we have all of our messes figured out before we come to church because all of you all do, right? Sometimes. And man, the tendency for us is to come in here and start acting like we're not sick. To start acting like we don't need a Redeemer because we've got it all figured out. And that's a dangerous place for us to live. That is a dangerous place. We're going to see this exercised in this discussion this morning. I just want to caution us as we go through this process to rightly evaluate your hearts this morning to recognize your need for a Savior, to recognize Jesus' place in our hearts. Turn with me, if you would, in your text in the Bible to Matthew chapter 9. We're going we're gonna to catch up with a story from Matthew's perspective in his account here. Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. Starting in verse 9, as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, 
Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but, but the sinners. Isn't it interesting that when Matthew's called, all of a sudden they have a big gathering at this table, and, and we're going to see in another text that it's, it's actually Matthew that invites Jesus over, and, and they have this gathering of people, and all of Matthew's buds show up. Did you notice who they were? He gathered his friends. When Jesus called Matthew, I don't think he went down the road going, oh, this is cool. I think he actually ran and told some of his buddies, hey, there's a rabbi that actually asked me to follow him. You guys need to come and meet this guy. We need to remember that when Jesus calls Levi, uh, Levi was in an occupation and, and was probably very problematic for the Pharisees at this time. Uh, look in Matthew 22, verses 15 through 22. Verse 15. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how to entangle him in his words. And they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully. And you do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances. Man, aren't they lathering him up good? Whoo! Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And Jesus said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, Therefore render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard it, they marveled and left him and went away. This is just one account, but it's interesting that in, the, in this problem, the Pharisees are trying to trick Jesus into making a statement either against God or against Caesar at this time and, and trying to trick him with this money issue, and, and Jesus doesn't fall for it. But I, I don't know how many of you, how many of you are really, can we turn off the video for just a second? Okay. How many of you are really excited about paying taxes? Oh, come on. There's got to be one of you. How many of us are really excited about living completely surrendered lives for Christ? Don't raise your hands. I, I don't want to get you in trouble. Because if you raise your hand, then he's going to expect it. How many of us are really excited about giving up everything and dying to ourselves for the sake of the cross? I have moments. I have days. But to tell you that I want to sell and give up everything or live my life completely abandoned for Christ every moment of every day would be not accurate because I have moments where I want to be the most important thing in the world. Not just in your world, but the whole world. I want everybody to know how important I am. Coming to Jesus and, and, and interacting with Him as a broken, sick, sinful individual is costly. It's dangerous for you and for me to follow a call from Jesus, because unfortunately, He doesn't paint for us a picture that says, you and I are okay just the way we came. I don't know how many of you have heard the statement, oh, it's just so-and-so. We're just going to accept their behavior because it's just them. Anybody excited about that? What if you and I were the, what, what if you guys were to look at me and say, ah, don't worry about that. It's just Shane. 
I hope, wait, have you guys had to say that yet? It could happen. I hope not. I want, to be, I want us to be transformed, not just not stay in who we are, but to come with the brokenness of our hearts where we belong before Jesus and then to be redeemed and restored by him. These Pharisees were trying to trick up Jesus with the money issue, and he pointed to them the fact that it's not about the money. Uh, here, here's Matthew. Can you imagine him? He's collecting taxes for Rome. Can you imagine how good that is for them? So he's interacting with Gentiles. Clearly, they have a label for him, a tax collector and a sinner. He's not just a tax collector, but he's a tax collector and sinner. I was actually a little fearful. We might have an amen right there at some point in time as we think about our tax collectors in our lives. But I'm glad more you are way more spiritual than me. So here's this conundrum. Jesus calls a tax collector and a sinner. And what was Levi's response to this Messiah, this rabbi, coming and offering him uh, a seat at his table? I love the fact that he invites his friends to his house. And we see that in Luke uh, chapter 5. This is Luke's account of the story. Verse 27. And after this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with them. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled at his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. As we said before, here Levi, he invites, he invites his friends to show up at the house. He has a big feast for the rabbi who's invited him, who's offered him the call, and, and Levi or Matthew has responded to that call. And here they are eating, and, and I, in my own head, I'm thinking to myself, so are the Pharisees and their scribes standing outside of his house so they don't get like sin germs? I mean, how are they close enough to engage with these guys to complain about who they're eating with, but not close enough quite to get sin on them? Do you guys know what that distance is? Do we know? I mean, what is that? Convicted in my own heart, sometimes I think we, we mess with sin because somehow we think we can handle it, and we get a little too close. But I think it's interesting that Levi's response is joyful, and he holds a feast. He invites his friends, and here they are gathered around Jesus, and he's involved in, the, in this relationship with them. And uh, the religious organization doesn't, establishment doesn't like it. I love Jesus' response. This is that moment where I was like, as I was reading this, I went, oh, yeah, because I think Jesus says this to him. I'm going to do this in my own translation. I think he says, y'all should go read your Bible. I think that's what he said. Did you catch that in the Matthew account? In Matthew, uh, in Matthew chapter 9, he actually says to them, uh, uh, you should read this and learn from it. It's actually a quote out of Hosea. Hosea chapter 6, we're going to turn there and read Hosea chapter 6. 
Now you need to understand Hosea is coming right at the end of Israel, right before Israel goes in, is, is actually taken over and goes into captivity. Um, and, and Hosea is a prophet that's prophesying against Israel and he's testifying about their sin and their rebellious heart and their idolatry and all of these things. And in the middle of that text, we have chapter six, verses one through six. So follow along with me if you would in Hosea chapter six. Hosea says, come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us that he may heal us. He has struck us down and he will bind us up. And after two days, he will revive us. And on the third day, he will raise us up that we may live before him. Let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. His going out is sure as the dawn. He will come to us as the showers, as the spring rains that water the earth. What shall I do with you, O Ephraim? What shall I do with you, O Judah? Your love is like a morning cloud, like the dew that goes early away. Therefore, I have hewn them by the prophets. I have slain them by the words of my mouth, and my judgments go forth as the light. For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God, rather than burnt offerings. Here, Jesus, or here, God the Father is challenging Israel, and he's calling them out, and he's, he's actually con- confronting them and letting them know that he's going to discipline them, but he's going to also provide restoration. He's going to restore them. And why does he do it? He says, because their love is like a morning cloud or the, the early morning dew, that it's there for a moment, and then it's gone. And he challenges them and he says, I would prefer obedience rather than sacrifice. God's looking for hearts that would surrender, hearts that would obey, hearts that would recognize their condition and turn to him rather than perform the religious acts of religiousness. We see this in 1 Samuel as well. King Saul First Samuel chapter 15, verses 22 and 23, King Saul shows up, and this is, he had King uh, the, um, Agag, and he was told to kill everybody uh, in that whole tribe. He's told to wipe them out, and he saves the best of the animals, and he saves the king, and he wipes everybody else out, and he shows up celebrating, and Samuel says, what have you done? And Saul begins to try to explain to himself, and then Samuel says this, in 1 Samuel 15:22 Has the Lord as great del- delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in the obeying the voice of the Lord behold to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams for rebellion is as the sin of divination and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry because you have rejected the word of the Lord he has also rejected you from being king In Jesus' response to the Pharisees, he challenges them to go and read their Bible, to learn from what the Lord has taught Israel, what he's taught uh, his people for generations. Jesus says only the sick need a physician. He came to call sinners to repentance. I love this. I I thoroughly... uh, I'm overwhelmed with the hope that comes from this text. 
that in our condition of sickness or neediness or, or hurt, wherever we're at, that, that Jesus came to call you and to me into a relationship with him, not into a religious activity. I don't know how many of you uh, come to church because you want to. I, I know growing up I didn't. Not all the time. Do you know that there was there were times in my life as a as a youth pastor I didn't come to church because I wanted to? Is that a shock to anybody? Okay. Whew. You guys looked way too comfortable with that for me. I was just like, wow, you guys have had a rough life. But the reality is, is if we measure our heart, we, we, we are so tempted at times, and I think our culture drives for it. You know, I make this statement, and I, I hope it's not offensive to anybody. I say, I don't take attendance. I, I really don't, one, my brain doesn't work good enough to go through and figure out who all's here and who's not. But I, I really don't take attendance. If you're not here for a Sunday, I don't call you up and run, chase you down and find out why your offering wasn't in the plate. That's a joke. I don't even know who, who gives or what, so that was just a joke. I don't do that, but the reason I don't do it isn't because I don't care. The reason I don't do it is because I am not in the business of producing Sunday morning attendance numbers. It's not my job, it's not my passion to be worried about how many people are in the seats of this church. It's my job, I believe, as, as a disciple of Jesus Christ to live out the truth of being a disciple. I happen to have the privilege and responsibility to tell you guys what Jesus is doing in my life, but it's my job to live for Christ and to live in obedience and to walk with you as we do. It doesn't matter who sits in here. I hope that doesn't sound harsh or calloused. I don't mean it to be that way. But it's not about putting numbers or dollar figures in a church budget. I, I get so frustrated with church leaders. How many people are in your church? I have no idea. What? How can you not know? Because I don't count. But I know that there is a family here. I know that there's a family here of people that need the great physician. And that together we can walk with Jesus in that truth. That some of us are going to be up and we're going to be celebrating life. We're going to be joyful and we're going to be filled with hope because that's where we're at today. And there's going to be others who are dragging on the floor who can barely get here because they're so emotionally bankrupt. But together we can walk towards Jesus. And that's the call that the Messiah has for each one of us. Where are you at today? I don't know. I don't have that insight, but he does. And he's calling us to follow him just like he did Matthew and that table full of tax collectors and sinners. Do you need a physician today? Do you need to be reminded that the man we're, that we're following is the great physician? The healer of souls? and the restore of relationship with an eternal God. What is your condition today? Have you forgot who you're following? Have we become distracted with the activities of church, the passions of life? Are we so busy 
that we wouldn't even recognize him if he said, hey, 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 I think you might need a break. I was reading in the text. Uh, I'm in the Old Testament right now, my personal reading, and um, Moses is laying out the Sabbath. And I thought to myself, hmm, not sure which day that would work for me to take a day off and rest. Anybody got it figured out? Oh, you guys are all sinners too, huh? What a fine mess we are. What a joy it is to be part of a church where it's okay to be us, isn't it? Sure makes Jesus seem a lot more uh, important, doesn't he? What's the condition that you're in today? I believe we all need a we all need a physician. I love that Jesus came to call sinners to repentance. And that's our posture today. That's our posture before a, a, a living God is to say, God, we need you. And, and I love, I want to be, I want us to end with and be reminded that that that's not where we stay. Ephesians is is a phenomenal. I love the book of Ephesians, especially chapter one. If if you need encouragement today, I want to encourage you to take out Ephesians chapter one and read it until you can't forget it. And that's different for all of you. But he says that we are the children of God. You and I have been bought for a price. And before the foundations of the earth, God knew us and he established these things. If you are a child of God today, then you have that hope. Regardless, of, I mean, I, I know we all, we all have issues, we all have messes. And Jesus is working on that for each and every one of us. He's transforming our hearts. If we're his children, what joy there is in that moment. I'm I'm overwhelmed by the need that we have for one another. Do you know I couldn't do this on my own? I don't know if I could feed, if I could give the whole load to one sheep, one one cow. I really appreciated that this morning, Gary. Um, But if if I didn't have brothers and sisters standing around me, not not only not only to encourage me, but to also challenge me. To say, hey, I don't know if I don't know if that's right. I don't know if what you're doing there is really what you should be doing. If I didn't have that, I would spin out of control in a heartbeat. I need you. We need one another. Jesus is the great physician. He's come and he's called us, but he's called us into relationship with himself and with one another here. So I want to challenge us to recognize that when when Matthew showed up to the table with his buddies. It was pretty clear from the outside that they weren't the the most polished group of Christian uh, or we would say religious people at that time. They were labeled tax collectors and sinners. And yet they joyfully entered the table with Jesus, wrapped, surrounded the table and had a feast because they were called to follow him. Do you realize, I I can only imagine what some of those guys were thinking as Jesus confronted those Pharisees. I came here for these, this kind. I came here for this group. I'm here to call them out of where they are into who I am. What's Jesus calling your life this morning? For some of you, I know you have faithfully served and followed Jesus for many, many, many years. And maybe in that moment, um, 
you are the person that should be walking around with young bucks like me saying, hey, keep your chin up, bub. It's going to be okay. Maybe for some of you, you need to be reminded about that first love again, about the hope and the joy that we have in the cross. For some of us young pups, life may seem to be just too dang big. You may not be sure how you're going to handle it or if it's even possible that God could show up and take care of this moment. We need some of you that have walked that road before to come alongside us, young bubs, and remind us that God's got it. What a privilege it is to follow Jesus together. What a privilege it is to know that who he has called are the sinners and tax collectors to follow him and to be his church. I'd just like to say welcome to the family. It's a good place to be because we all need to be here. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love and your kindness. Thank you for the blessing of this body. Thank you for the reality that we are tax collectors and sinners at our heart. But it is because of Christ's work on the cross, our Lord Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, the new covenant in his blood, that we can stand together and say, Father, lead us, teach us. Convict our hearts, as you said in Hosea, that you would that you would hewn us down, that you would bring the discipline, and then you would restore. God, be that truth, be that light in our lives this week. Help us to never forget that we where we start from. The whole world is in need of this truth. The whole world starts in the same place, desperate and separated from you. God, protect us from ever becoming self-righteous in our view of who we are. That somehow, because we have been redeemed, because we have been invited in to follow, that we're better than those who have not yet responded. God, convict our hearts if we have become like that. I pray that you would break our hearts for the lost. And as we come into a time of Easter to celebrate who you are and what you've done, the cost and the price that you paid, that you would break our heart for the lost. That, Lord Jesus, we would see them as you see them. And that we, we would become a church of those who have been redeemed by the great physician and who cannot keep quiet about it. Do with us as you see fit. To God be the glory. To him alone. Amen.